Visit with our friend Spence Warder, as you call him, the meat dude. It is brought to you by All Soccer Meats, which we're going to have some exciting news about them very shortly. But, Spencer, how you been, man? Good. How about you, Tyler? I'm doing well. I already said uh, while I was talking to Eric, this whole four-day work week, I'm in. Did you get at least Monday off, or are you hitting the grind like always? Uh, I, I was... I was at work, but we weren't our uh, full full go on Monday. Let's just put it that way. That sucks, dude. Sorry to hear that. Because <laughs> the rest of us have had uh, like three consecutive weeks of just having four days that we've actually been required to show up. And even though we've been there, we haven't really been putting in much effort. Uh, it sounds like you have. So sorry. You're one of the few. We found you. But I'm glad that you're here with us again on a Thursday because I already had questions waiting for you. At 35270, that's the Adventure RV Text Club. I'm going to get to those. Uh, Tyler, question for the meat dude. What is the uh, general rule of flipping a steak when grilling? There isn't one. Okay, well, make up some rules. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Uh, There's none. <laughs> Go with what your gut tells you, pal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, uh, you know, there's, there's so many things that you can read or see that says you should only flip a steak once or twice or whatever. And, you know, I, 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 I feel like, uh, I say this all the time, but it, it, it's, it's, it really depends on the steak and the environment and what you're doing. Right. I mean, when I'm cooking a, inch thick ribeye chances are i might be flipping that thing four five six different times depending if i'm using a gas grill or my big green egg or cooking over a fire or cooking over charcoal um because your heat source has such a huge impact on uh that that crust that you you, you can create while cooking and if you create too much of a crust so you got to flip it over but the inside's not done yet so i wouldn't say there's a perfect rule that says flip a steak once. Uh, what I will say is when you do flip a steak, a good rule to keep in mind is don't use uh, like a fork or something that you're going to poke the meat with. Use tongs or something like that so you're not breaking that crust that you're creating uh, while cooking with high temperatures. Um, but yeah, other than that, I flip my steaks a lot. As far as the the appearance you're not one that hey i need to get that sweet diamond look to it you don't care it's all about the the, the done product because i'm there it's, with it. it's it's all about the eating eating it right yeah. in a restaurant world totally different story if you were talking to a professional chef right now he'd probably have something different to say than me that i just cook steak to make it taste good you know <laughs> uh, i don't quite care about presentation as much as yeah. other people in a profession would but uh yeah I'm there with you. I don't care what the plating. Just make sure the thing's da done the way I want it is all I care about. Uh, another question. Tell a question for the meat dude. How do restaurants get a perfect uniform, medium rare, on a prime rib from the center to the outer crust? Now they're asking you as though you are the chef of that restaurant you just referred to. <laughs> yeah, so take a stab at that one, why don't you? <laughs> uh, a couple different ways. And, you know, we talked a lot about reverse searing, and reverse searing is a great way to uniformly cook a large chunk of meat, as well as sous vide. Now, I, I, I don't know of any restaurants that are sous vide um, whole prime ribs, but that would be a great method to uniformly cook throughout the whole product and then pull it off and just sear it in an oven, make the 
create a crust. Uh, reverse searing is essentially doing the same thing, except not as quite perfect consistency as sous vide. Um, uh, so I'm, I mean, put it in an oven at oh, low temperatures. They're talking like 200. Give it plenty, plenty of time to come up internally to that 130. And if you give it plenty of time and you're not blasting it with too much heat, it should come up uniformly from center to outside. Uh, and that and that's the trick to get it perfectly medium rare throughout the whole thing. You're going to have to devote some time to it uh, because it has to be relatively low temperatures or else you're just going to cook the outside and, and wait for the inside to catch up. Um, so, yeah, I Tell think I kind of answered that. Yeah, sure, as best as I could expect. <laughs> Tell me more about the sous vide. Here's why. We just had the holidays, and uh, one of my friends got this contraption that is sous vide for christmas and all i can think of is what's the difference between that and me vacuum sealing pick a meat and throwing it in some boiling water i mean it's the same thing isn't it i i, I sure think so uh i think sous vide the handy deal like the little thing that you drop into a pot of water uh, the handy deal about it is that it will stay consistent and i don't know about your oven at, in your house but my oven at my stovetop at home trying to keep water uh, the same constant temperature is is a feat. Um, I think that's kind of the, the the great thing about a sous vide is that it 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 keeps the perfect temperature whatever you set it at the whole time. All right, so it is worth the investment, not just okay. Well, vacuum sealer up, throw it in the boiling and water, then, and then set the timer. Yeah, and then you got your whole stovetop to work with too. You know, it's just like why well, have an air fryer? Why well, have a toaster? Why well, have a I have all these different tools in your kitchen. All right, let's uh, let's take this for a walk for a second, though. And I'm sure right. I'm sure these places that sell these contraptions don't want to hear this. This is like the red green concept. All right, remember that show? Uh, no. no. Well, the women better find you handy if they don't find you handsome. Red green needs to make things with duct tape and all these other things. So let's take this for a walk. Let's say I got a vacuum sealer. I've got uh, a ribeye. I've got a meter, right? The the thermometer that I could shove inside of that ribeye, vacuum seal it up. That thing then tells the app that is connected to your phone because that's how spoiled we are these days, that I can put it in that boiling water and it's going to tell me the internal temp of that steak in there. Do you think that would work? Uh, I feel like it would be very difficult to vacuum seal your meter <laughs> inside of the steak and that your vacuum holds. There's the first uh, uh, thought that comes to mind. Okay. Uh, secondly, sous vide doesn't boil the water. Um, usually you set it at whatever temperature you want your meat to get to, and it will just hold at that temperature. So you're not you're not boiling the water while you're sous vide. Uh, that would kind of shock. That would be like throwing it in a 250-degree oven. You know, it's the same concept. Mm. So, so no, no, don't red Bad green idea. that ribeye at home. No, sounded like something. I gotta look. I gotta look this show up. Like, how how I, you, you all... remember how old I am? <laughs> Is <laughs> this an older show? Or... I mean, okay, yeah, it's older. Pull up. How? When was the red green show popular on like PBS? Uh, the final episode was uh, in 2006, and the first episode was September 25th, 1991. Oh, so it, so it ran for there. 15 years, mm -hmm. between 91 and 2006. And how old are you claiming to be? 
I, I was I was alive during that time. Yeah, uh-huh. You just had more important things to watch than the Red Green Show? Do I yourself. Guess. Okay, I know you're not working that hard. You got time between now and 5 o'clock. You go watch on YouTube. You take the smartphone you're on right now and go watch an episode, then, then snap me or, or uh, text me what you think. I will. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. No, and I gave you an assignment. I'm going to get back to the text club at 35270. Uh, Tyler, my husband and I were going to grill steaks over Christmas, but due to the ice storm, we decided to try the air fryer for our ribeyes, and they tasted awesome. Six minutes each side. See, we've talked about this, and you just question, well, why an air fryer? <laughs> why not? But the thing that I didn't like about the steak in the air fryer is I didn't get the crust on it. Yeah. Okay, another one. Tyler, what's the difference, or question for the me, dude. What's the difference between nitrates and, oh, that's, and nitrates when making sausage? Uh, what's spelling? Uh, they're they're referring to nitrates and nitrites. Okay, eight, sure. Eights and ice. <laughs> yep. You're right. Now that I reread this, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they're 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 open in a whirlwind of conversation because um, this is this is my wheelhouse right here. Um, so nitrates are naturally occurring in pretty much any green vegetable, lettuce, celery, um, like the plant of uh, fruit. You know, anything that's essentially green, leafy, it's got nitrates in it. Now, when we take nitrates, the natural source, we can essentially ferment it and create um, a source that we can put into meat. And then once nitrates are introduced to meat, the chemical reaction occurs, changes to nitrites. Nitrites bind with myoglobin. Uh, This whole big chemical reaction happens and we get cured meat. That's that cooked pink meat that you're used to seeing in bacon or uh, sausage, like fully cooked smoked sausages, things like that. Now, in modern uh, practices, per se, we have synthetically created nitrites. So we we took one chemical step out of the equation and created nitrites, bound it with sodium, like pretty much everything is bound with sodium in, in uh, meat processing. So we can take that controlled ingredient and do the same exact thing and skipping a whole bunch of steps. Now, we've technologically advanced in the curing world, and you're now able to buy nitrates in a natural form that you're just readily available to add to your meat and therefore can create um, a cured product. But then we get into government regulations on labeling, and that's where you're seeing products on the shelf that say uncured bacon or uncured sausage or uncured whatever, it has the natural occurring nitrates that were added by the meat processor, of course, and then anything else that you see that doesn't have that claim uncured on it was used the synthetic form of nitrate. Take a breath, man. And I I could go on and on and on and on, but it's uh, it's an interesting, interesting topic. At the end of the day, they do the same thing. Um, It's a question of Natural versus uh, synthetic. Wow. Yeah. Uh, geez. <laughs> Need a smoke after that one. <laughs> You're pretty excited. I uh, enjoy the enthusiasm of explaining the whole chemical balance between that. I got a phone call for you. Want to take that, Spencer? Sure. Tim, you're on with Spencer Worth the Meat, dude. Thanks for calling on in. Yeah. Uh, hi, Spencer. So a lot of the TV shows, uh, the, the barbecue shows and the uh, couple barbecue books I've got 
they wrap the meat a lot uh, and then put it on smokers. Um, are they, what's the sense of doing that then? I mean, uh, um, you're not getting any flavor. Should I be leaving it unco- uncovered? Yeah, so when you're when you're smoking product, the first, you know, depending on what product you're making barbecue-wise, the first three to four hours, let's call that your smoking step. That's where you're trying to hit that product with heavy smoke, give that protein the ability to take in that flavor, that, that smokering, all, all of which that you want your end product to do. And then protein gets to a certain point that once it's cooked to like 140, 150, it's not going to take in any more smoke. Yeah, you could you could create more crust, you could create more flavor that way, but what wrapping does is creates an oven over the product. So the the creating a seal, creating an oven in, over a brisket for instance, will increase the humidity, and increasing humidity will increase your or shorten your cook time and creating a more tender product because you're trapping all that humidity around it. So wrapping is a huge part of barbecue, and um, you know that we we there's tin foil is used. There's also that pink butcher paper that's utilized a lot, especially by the professional barbecue guys. Um, each have their pros and cons, but yeah, wrapping is an important part of cooking barbecue. Tim, that answer okay, your question. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm getting from you then that it should be a combination of both. Maybe the first portion opened up to get the smoke and then wrap it to keep the uh, the, the uh, juices in and cook it more thoroughly. Exactly. Yep. Okay. All right. I got you. I sure appreciate that. That explains it a lot. Hey, Tim. Thanks for the phone call. You call on in anytime. Afternoon's live. Spence Worth the Meat, dude. Our regular scheduled guest at this time is brought to you by Alls Auger Meats. They got some exciting news coming up. I'll tell you more about that. Tyler, question for the meat dude. I received an indoor countertop electric grill for Christmas. What is a good, easy, first-time item that does well on these? An electric countertop grill? Correct. For Christmas. Like a George Foreman, or do they even make those anymore? I have no idea. I would assume so. That I mean, that thing doesn't get old. Yeah. I would I would start with just like a pork chop, something relatively cheap uh, that benefits from cooking in a grill method. Uh, I, I that's what I would recommend. Very good, Spencer. We had a lot going on today. You got scientific with us. I can feel the professor come back out in you. Anything you want to get out before I let you go, my friend? I don't think so. This is fun as always. All right. Well, uh, your assignment, Red Green Show. Give it a Red give Green. it a watch. I remember that. Uh, and then uh, get back to me, and we'll we'll share with the rest of the audience. If not, you can do it next week. Take you the whole week and indulge. <laughs> get lost in all the wisdom that is the Red Green Show, and then I'll quiz you next week. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take care, Spencer. Wirt. The meat dude. Every week, your questions answered about meat related things. I want to thank all soccer meats right now. You can find them on Main Drag in Audubon, Minnesota. Soon, well, we'll tell you about other ways of which you can get a hold of all the meats that they have to offer. In fact, we'll hear more from them, and we'll check in with KFGO News next.